0: Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org.
1: I'm Lisa Jones with Brian Jones Farms in Edcouch, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
2: Hello Texas, I've got another episode
3: of Texas Ag Today loaded up and ready to roll for you. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Livestock Marketing Association is throwing its support behind the Right to Farm Constitutional Amendment. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Carrie Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
4: Too cool, too hot, too wet, too dry. We've seen it all this year as wacky weather took a toll on Texas High Plains crops. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today.
5: Online permits are now available at participating National Forest for cutting Christmas trees. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today.
6: A swing in cattle inventories is coming as the market shifts to rebuilding herds. I'm Michael Clements, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today.
3: We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Livestock Marketing Association is throwing its support behind Proposition 1. Prop 1 is the right to farm constitutional amendment. Jesse Carver is the LMA Regional Executive Officer for Texas and Louisiana. is a pretty easy decision for our our leadership to fall in and support our local Texas markets in the state of Texas because, you know, as you know, livestock auction markets are in the service business where we're kind of a part of the chain and we rely on those producers, those farmers and ranchers to, to bring us a commodity to sell. And, you know, if we can we can help by supporting a constitutional amendment to protect their right to farm and ranch and be on the land, then, then that ensures not only their their sustainability,
1: but our ours as well in the long term.
3: The Livestock Marketing Association represents livestock sale barns across the country. Prop 1 is on the ballot this Tuesday, November 7th. Drought is declining in Texas.
7: Thanks to recent rains, the area of Texas suffering from drought has declined at least 10 percentage points over the past week. According to the U.S. Drought Monitor, 65.4% of the state is suffering from moderate or worse drought. That's down from 75% the week prior. Parts of Central Texas, Far West Texas, and the Coastal Bend remain under extreme drought. 21.1 million Texans are still impacted by drought. That is down 9.2% from last week. 240 counties in the state have been granted USDA drought disaster designations this year. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel.
3: We have run out of time to get the 2023 Farm Bill done this year, but we may get an extension of the current bill. U.S. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack.
2: Number one, we're not going to have a farm bill passed before December 31st, but we do have to have an extension because we don't want the program to lapse because if it were to lapse there would be serious consequences to the farmers but also very serious consequences to the economy and to consumers. So I'm very confident uh, that we will see an extension. The question is how long that extension will be. I think the Senate leadership in a bipartisan way is suggesting a year. Uh, I don't think they think it will take a year to get the Farm Bill done, but they think that's the easiest and simplest format to get the 60 votes necessary to get it passed in the Senate. Don't know if the House has got that same timeline, but I think the House is also recognizes they're not going to get it done before December 31st.
3: Vilsack made those comments at the National FFA Convention in Indianapolis. Weather extremes took a toll on Texas High Plains crops this year. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo.
4: In our previous report, Greg Glover of Canyon told us about the challenges experienced by his family's cattle operation. Well, things haven't been very easy over on the farming side either. For their cotton, Glover says the abundant rains in May were a bit too much all at once. We have
8: finished planting. I sprayed it. Then literally in two hours, James, it was in the evening. By the time I left the field with the sprayer in two hours, it got an inch and a half. Then I think the next day it got another inch and a half. Anyway, so it, it didn't all come up, but it had so much rain what came up. That cotton just, I don't want to call it like rotting, but it pretty it just died in about a 10, 15 day span because it was so cool and wet. So that, what little cotton that did make it up, it just, it didn't survive.
4: Now for their other summer crops, Glover says the story was quite the opposite. The corn and sorghum they grow for silage got off to a good start before our weather switched to too hot and too dry.
8: About middle of July it uh, quit raining and we sure turned up the thermostat and that didn't do us no good and we kind of ended up some fields were around our average or APH. Um, I'd say the Probably the majority was just a little under, you know. We we had a few fields that are what I'd call kind of a wreck. But for the most part, it wasn't quite as bad as what I thought it was going to turn out to be. But it still wasn't just a a great year.
4: But it certainly has been a weird year weather-wise with our wild temperature and precipitation swings. Let's all hope area farmers will start getting the growing conditions they need sooner rather than later.
8: I think everybody's ready to have that one good year again.
4: I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
3: Online permits are now available for cutting Christmas
5: trees in national forests. Tom Nicoletti has more. Online permits are now available at recreation.gov for cutting Christmas trees in national forests. Janelle Smith with the U.S. Forest Service says there are some factors to keep in mind regarding permits and tree cutting.
1: For many years, many decades really, the Forest Service has offered Christmas tree permit sales through local offices and there's just really a push a dozen years ago or so to bring that online. This is a reservation service that the Forest Service uses already and so it was kind of no brainer that we have this trusted system and so now our program, the Recreation.gov, is able to support the Forest Service for all of those forests throughout the country. country who choose to use it. For each forest that does offer Christmas tree permits, they actually have specific areas where Christmas trees can be cut. By folks. It's really with a permit. So when you purchase a permit, oftentimes through rec.gov or even on the local forest webpage, you'll see special cutting areas. And so forest health experts have identified those areas that would really benefit from having some of those smaller diameter trees that actually make a perfect centerpiece for your holidays available to the public. So it's not just a free-for-all that you can go out there and cut any tree anywhere. And all of that information is available when you start going through that permit process.
5: That is Janelle Smith with the U.S. Forest Service. An abundance of national forests are located throughout the western United States, from Washington, Oregon, and California into the Rocky Mountains and into the south and southeast, including Texas and Florida. The upper Midwest and northeastern states have forest land with potential Christmas trees for consumers this season. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
3: A swing in cattle inventories is coming as the market shifts to rebuilding herds. Michael Clements reports from Washington.
6: USDA released a bearish cattle on feed report in October, showing cattle on feed at 11.5 million head, the second highest figure on record. Barrett Nelson, American Farm Bureau Federation economist, explains what this means for cattle markets going forward.
9: We have a lot of cattle that are being placed on feed, and a very high percentage, near 40 percent of those cattle are still heifers. And In the short run, this means that we're going to have a very high supply of cattle coming to market at one point in time. But in the long run, Run, this takes a lot of cattle out of the market that could have otherwise been held back for replacements.
6: Replacements are what help rebuild herds following a dip in herd size.
9: Replacement heifers are basically the planting intentions of the cattle business. So when we have less of those replacement heifers being held back to produce calves, we ultimately have a smaller inventory. We've been going through this for a couple of years now, but now as this happens, we're looking at 2024 at the earliest before we can even consider starting to replace this cattle herd.
6: Nelson says consumers will likely feel the pinch of higher beef prices next year.
9: So what this means for consumers is record beef prices in 2024 and 2025. A lot of the economy situations, we're talking about recession, we're still talking about inflation and where our money's at, are going to dictate the ability of the economy to sustain these high beef prices or if consumers will start switching over to other substitutes like pork and
7: chicken.
6: Learn more on the market intel page at fb.org. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today
7: if you plan on hunting in the valley you should also plan on having your deer hide tested for cattle fever ticks before leaving a cattle fever tick quarantine area i'm jessica domal and i'll have more coming up on texas ag today
3: and the drought we've had this year can lead to high levels of nitrates in forages veterinarian dr bob judd has more on that coming up next right here on texas ag today
0: Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years that's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my
6: whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the right to farm amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches so they can grow our food
0: right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Learn more about Proposition 1 at right2farmtexas.com. That's right, the number 2, farmtexas.com.
2: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The drought we've had
3: here in Texas can lead to high levels of nitrates in forages. Dr. Bob Judd says these nitrates can be toxic to cattle.
10: Plants readily take up nitrate from the soil. Once in the plant, nitrate is converted to nitrite, then ammonia, and finally into amino acids and proteins. Environmental stress, like a drought, can slow down photosynthesis and plant metabolism and lead to excessive levels of nitrate in the plant. While frost can be a stressor for increasing nitrates in the forage, frost can also lead to increased prussic acid levels in sorghum forages. But this is not the same as nitrate poisoning, as prussic acid levels in stored forage will decrease over time, while nitrate levels will not decrease. When ruminants like cattle, sheep, and goats consume excessive levels of nitrate in their diet, nitrate is converted to nitrite by microbes in the rumen faster than it can be converted to ammonia, amino acids, and eventually protein. Accumulated nitrite in the rumen, which is the first stomach compartment in ruminants, is then absorbed into the bloodstream where it prevents oxygen transport, which leads to death. Cattle and sheep are sensitive to nitrates, and the fetus in pregnant animals is very sensitive. So, if you have some forage with increased nitrates, one method of handling it is to mix this high nitrate forage with low nitrate forage. It is best to mix the forages and feed at the same time, but if this is not possible, feed the low nitrate forage first to fill up the cows and then feed the high nitrate forage. You may want to test the mixture or at least test the low nitrate forage to make sure it is low enough. All stresses can lead to high nitrate in forage and we certainly have had plant stresses in Texas this summer, so be sure and test your forage for nitrates. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
3: Deer hunters in the Rio Grande Valley can help prevent the spread of cattle fever ticks. Jessica Domo has the story in today's wildlife report.
7: As we told you on our last show, Texas deer hunters play a critical role in protecting cattle across the state and the nation from the deadly cattle fever tick. For that reason, deer and exotic hunters who plan to take the hide from the animals they harvest out of a cattle fever tick quarantine area are required to have the hide inspected and treated before leaving the area. There are currently cattle fever tick quarantines in parts of the following counties, Cameron, Hildago, Jim Hogg, Kennedy, Starr, Willsey, and Zapata counties. According to the Texas Animal Health Commission, deer and other exotics can carry cattle fever ticks on their hides. When those hides are taken to an area of the state or the nation that has not been exposed to cattle fever ticks, it puts cattle in that area at risk. The Animal Health Commission says cattle fever ticks are the most dangerous cattle ectoparasites in the United States. They're capable of carrying and spreading parasites to cattle, causing bovine babesiosis, or cattle fever. Babesiosis attacks and destroys cattle's red blood cells, causing anemia, high fever, and enlargement of the cow's spleen and liver. It ultimately leads to the death in up to 90% of cattle that have had no prior exposure to the parasite. Ela Benavides, TAHC regional manager, joins us with more.
0: Imagine If you had 50% death loss, how that would affect so many markets, the price of beef would skyrocket, the price of leather goods would skyrocket. Everything that is via cattle production, we would see a huge increase in price because of a shortage of cattle.
7: Contact information for hide Inspections and other details are available on the TAHC website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel.
3: It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Coaches Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. That's right. And there's a huge digital divide in our state. There are still large parts of rural Texas that have little to no access to high-speed internet. I'm State Representative Dwayne Burns. And I'm State Representative Trent Ashby. We're here to ask you to vote for Proposition 1 and Proposition 8. I wrote Prop 1 to protect your right to farm and ranch. It will prevent the abuse of regulatory power, protect the backbone of our rural economy, and ensure safe and affordable food for all Texans. And I wrote Proposition 8, which will create the Broadband Infrastructure Fund address important upgrades for public safety and provide resources for broadband access in rural hospitals and schools. Let's head to the polls November 7th and vote for Prop 1 and Prop 8. Political advertising paid for by Texas
3: Farm Bureau and Texas Broadband Now PAC.
2: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The volatility continued
3: in the cattle futures market on Friday. We wrapped up the trading week with both live and feeder cattle closing in the red. December live cattle down 80 cents, 183.87. February down $1.20, 185.22, with April down 95 cents at 187.82. Same story on the feeder cattle with November dropping 202, closing at 240.60 4060 January feeders down 242 at 239.75, while March feeder cattle were down 207 at 242.35. Cash fed cattle market, mostly quiet for the week. Feedlots here in the Southern Plains have been holding out for better money. Now, we did see some sales earlier in the week at 185 here in the Southern Plains, but that was only two, 300 heads, so really not enough to establish a market. Feedlots, Asking 188 this week and trying to hold out for better money. In the Northern Plains, we saw some sales in Nebraska at 185 on a live basis, 292 dressed. That's steady with last week. Boxed beef was Lower Friday Choice down $1.86, $302.67. Select down $1.80 at $272.54.
6: Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Doug Bass from Cattleman's Columbus is in the alleyway this morning with me. Doug, how was your Wednesday sale? I
11: had a good sale, Mr. Larry. Uh, We ended up with 769 head of cattle. Uh, Market looked really steady the last week. Uh, You know, sure enough, good good market real consistent good let's talk about it yes sir on you packer cows and bulls thinner lower yielding cows 40 to 68 medium flesh cows 72 to 82 better high yielding cows 88 to 103 lower yielding bulls 80 to dollar two higher yielding bulls 108 to dollar $1 12 didn't have any stock for cows yesterday uh but said the calf market looked really good again this week uh <sighs> Two to three weight steers two twenty-five to three ten, heifers two fifteen to two sixty-seven, three to four weight steers two twenty to three ten, heifers two ten to two seventy-two, four to five weight steers two fifteen to three dollars, heifers one ninety to two eighty-seven, five to six weight steers two ten to two fifty-eight, heifers one eighty-five to two forty-three. Six to seven weight steers, one ninety to two forty one heifers, one eighty to two twenty five seven to eight weight steers, 174 one seventy four to two thirty five heifers, one seventy to two twenty eight and your eight hundred to a thousand pound steers and bull yearlings bring one forty five to two twenty eight heiferettes, one thirty five. 185.
6: Good. What was the count?
11: 769
6: Did anybody tell you they're going to be back with cattle uh, this next week?
11: Yes, sir. We've got some deals lined up uh, on some on some yearlings supposed to come next week. A uh, uh, couple pretty good size sets. So looking forward to selling them next week. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Yes, sir. You can call me on my cell, 979-877-4454, or at the office, 979-732-2622.
6: Neighbor, my guest, Doug Bass, Cattleman's Brenham you're listening to the texas farm bureau radio network on texas ag today
3: back over to the futures market now we're lean hogs finished lower friday december hogs dropped a february hogs down 75 cents at seventy-five forty-seven. class three milk was lower december milk down seven at 17 28 weight cotton market closed lower to wrap up the week on friday Cotton has been under a lot of pressure over the last week. We saw a lot of speculative selling in the market, also traders repositioning as we transitioned from October into December. For the week, cotton lost almost 5 cents. We closed with December cotton down 18 points, 79.42. March was down 12 at 82.12. May cotton down 16 points, 83.18 cents. Corn market bounced back after a week of lower closes, harvest pressure keeping a lid on corn prices over the last week as farmers in the corn belt have had nice clear weather which picked up the pace on harvest. We bounced back a bit on Friday with December corn up 7 and a quarter, 477 and a quarter, March corn up 7 and a quarter at 492 and a quarter. Kansas City wheat was higher with December wheat up $0.02, cents, $6.43.5. In the energy markets, December natural gas up a penny, three forty-eight. December West Texas crude down $1.33, dollars a barrel. The financial markets higher on Friday, the Dow up 241 points at 34081 The NASDAQ up 194 at 13488 while the S&P was up 45 at 4,363. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A,
2: Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts.